Welcome, everybody. This is BMP Weekly, episode 183. It is three. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Thank you for putting that on the on the meeting invite, Valdek. Uh, it is 17th of October, 2022. Um, in the BMP Weekly, I always talk about... Oh, let's start. My name is Tessa Yuvonen. I, I'm a product manager in the Microsoft 365 platform areas. And with me as a co-host is... Da-da-da. Hi, everybody. My name is Valdek Mastegas, and I am cloud developer advocate for Microsoft 365 at Microsoft. Hey. Excellent. And in BMP Weekly, I always talk about the latest, what's happening in Microsoft 365 areas, which is a lot last week because of the Ignite conference. And there was like a gajillion of news and announcements of announcements and upcoming features and all of that stuff. Um, we'll go through some of them, uh, but focus on just uh, overlaying because there would be like 80 whatever blog posts to go through <laughs> them all up. Um, and then we'll have Paolo Pialorci joining us for a discussion on, on what he's been up to. Uh, Paolo is well-known community member, been active in the community areas and open source for years. Uh, I think we counted nine years or so with the, with the uh, platform community, which is pretty cool. So, But good discussion related on community and his experiences on the Microsoft 365 cloud, but not only on Microsoft 365 cloud, which is actually really interesting as well. So it's it's good, good to catch up with him as well. Anything else? Um, hashtag BMP Weekly uh, on the Twitter, so we know what you are writing, the awesome stuff what community is writing. We're always interested on that. I guess that's it. Anything uh, yes, should with, be... So without, without further ado, let's jump into the interview with Paolo. Let's do that. Excellent. Welcome, Paolo, on uh, joining us on the BMP Weekly episode 183. It's been actually a while since you've been in the show. I think it was more than a year ago already, if I'm counting the numbers correctly. Yes. Uh, Waldek is nodding. <laughs> it's been 84 years, yes. It's been 84 years. Now, 84 so let's... episodes now. Yeah, <laughs> but, but um, before we go, what's what's happening right now and what, what you've been doing recently, can you do a quick intro for those who do not know who's Paolo? Yes. First of all, thanks for having me. I'm Paolo Pialorsi. I'm a solution architect. I work in a company of my own. Uh, it is based in Italy and in the US, and I mainly support uh, customers or enterprise customers or ISVs to build uh, uh, solutions, customization solutions on top of Microsoft 365. That's my life. How did you get to be that? What's your background? Well, I started quite early on the Microsoft like, technologies. I'm an architect. Last time you were, by the way, a senior consultant, I remember. Yeah, yeah. I self-blessed myself like everybody else does. On, no. Monday, <laughs> on Monday, he is an architect. On Tuesday, <laughs> on Tuesday <he's>... yes. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. You know, working in a company of my own, I can bless myself with whatever title I like. But that seriously, is, yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> Seriously, when I started, I started quite early on working on Microsoft technologies and defining the architecture of solutions. I used to call myself in the past a, a senior consultant only uh, because at the very end, what I do is providing consulting services to customers. But at the very end, I see that nowadays I mainly define the architecture of solutions. So why not upgrading my title? You know, that's the idea. Makes perfect so, sense. So you mentioned that you build applications on M365, and that's a really broad field. So what kind of apps do you do you actually build? 
Well, we mainly build uh, and define uh, solutions uh, on top of uh, uh, SharePoint Online, uh, Microsoft Teams, uh, uh, Viva, and that kind of area. So not everything in Microsoft 365, because it would be almost impossible to know everything, but we are fully focused on that area. And generally speaking, we help customers build a solution for managing their content, their documents, uh, their uh, uh, work uh, processes and flows and stuff like that. So we also use the Power Platform uh, every now and then under the cover of our solutions, but not necessarily. We also rely a lot on Azure. So even if I don't sell myself as an Azure expert, I do quite some stuff on Azure and Azure Logic Apps, uh, Azure Functions, Azure ID indeed, so all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we have fun it's with pretty that. unavoidable, yeah. right? With Microsoft 365, yeah. Azure comes so to play. So in a way, you mentioned everything anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> funny, funny enough, I have something to share with you. I don't know if it is the right place to do that. But for example, last month, we have built a solution for a customer uh, who was willing to use uh, Microsoft 365 as the front-end uh, uh, framework, let me say, or platform, uh, but was also willing to use uh, another cloud platform in the backend, which is totally doable. Uh, so yep. they wanted to use uh, AWS. And I have to say that I'm quite happy because nowadays technology is so open that you can easily build uh, a solution on top of the Microsoft 365 platform with a backend partially running on a completely different uh, uh, offering and technology. And I think this is the beauty of technology nowadays. Yep. Yeah. So you bring up an interesting point. Like, How does that are there any caveats that you have to take into account when you integrate with M365, which is one thing, you host your code and everything that works on another cloud, and you want to bridge the gap? Like, does that just work? Or are you really like stretching it and need to, you know, do some additional hoops basically to get from one cloud to another? Well, honestly, I was expecting to struggle more which wasn't the case, so I'm happy. I'm happy with that. I mean, we, we use the Microsoft Graph SDK to use Microsoft Graph. Uh, we use the MSAL library for authentication. Uh, we basically built some uh, uh, Lambda in AWS, which is the uh, counterpart of an Azure function on the Azure side. And basically with a properly designed architecture under the cover of the solution, we were just able to uh, slightly change the uh, layer that we used to host the code. But at the very end, we did almost the same uh, that we do when we work in Azure. So I'm happy with that, yeah. Now, that's, this is actually a really interesting discussion point as well, but I, I can imagine that authentication was the, the at least the first hurdle. How, how is that working? Because you, you, the Azure, ID, Azure Active Directory is obviously the authentication provider within Microsoft 365, but then in AWS, how, how would that work? Uh, as you said, as you said, Azure AD was and is the uh, authentication provider, and we still rely on uh, that service for the authentication part. So we are hosting. Uh, the uh, functions or the lambdas on the uh, AWS side, but we use uh, MSAL and Azure ID to get an access token, to consume Exograph and all that kind of stuff. So it was quite clean and easy again. And I, know, I don't want to stress too much this information, but I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy because I, I was expecting a, a, a worse experience, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but it is actually interesting. It's also the maturity sense, of the cloud. Right? Yeah. yeah. So. Exactly. And, and I mean, that makes sense. Like, as, as I think that the challenging part is if you like to imagine the building blocks that you actually need 
and where do they fit across the multi-cloud um, setup, right? Because like you said, you have M M365, you have your code, but then what about auth, right? Like auth doesn't belong, like in theory, you would say, well, there's a part of auth that belongs to your code with MSAL getting tokens, refreshing the token, but where do you get them from? Well, you get them from AAD that is kind of married to your M365 tenant where, where you have your app reg. Right, so it's a really multi-cloud thing uh, with pieces across the both clouds, but then you can just tie them together perfectly fine, apparently. Yeah, and that's what I love of my work, to be fair. Solving <laughs> <laughs> this with different things, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, basically, yeah. you learn something new every day, right? Oh, definitely. That that's my job role. Learning, learning something, learning every <laughs> single day, learning. If you yes. don't learn, you are died. And also, of course, teaching, because you're, you're quite often in the conferences and, and pres, uh, presenting yeah, your knowledge for others. So, so that's actually highly beneficial. So it's not just for you to learn, but also teaching others. So yeah. Speaking of which, right, you've just been to an event and you talked about something. What was it about? Well, yes, I spent the weekend in Brussels with a bunch of uh, community friends uh, for the Collab Days uh, Belgium 2022. I had a speech about, uh, well, the title is quite uh, uh, weird. It was uh, uh, Becoming a Microsoft Ninja or something like that. Yeah, and the idea was to provide uh, an advanced uh, session about Microsoft rather than an introduction of Microsoft uh, because, you know, Microsoft has been around for a while already. So uh, we said, why not trying to cover something more advanced? So first of all, I decided to cover the authentication and authorization part of the story, which should actually be at the basis of consuming Microsoft. But we see on a daily basis that it is what the developers struggle the most. So yeah. I decided to try to help. I don't know if I made it, but at least I tried to explain them how you can uh, go through the different uh, uh, grant flows uh, that you have in order to get a token, an access token to consume graph, and what can be an access token, what can you have uh, from a permission scope point of view inside an access token. So delegated permissions, application permissions, and all that kind of stuff, including the grant of the permission. So I uh, did my best to explain all this part of the story. And then we move to the frothing which is another topic that you should know if you want to work properly with graph and batching, which can be really beneficial if you want to uh, work uh, uh, in a proper way against throttling uh, in uh, or while consuming Microsoft And then we ended up with some other uh, advanced topics like uh, Microsoft webhooks and notifications and the extensibility model of entities in Azure AD. So that was the session. It was a busy one, uh, a bit of a rush, but I think uh, people were happy at the end. I hope so. Yeah. How many, um, just to have, how, how was the attendance uh, on the conference? So, well, probably. the conference, I think, was well attended. Uh, they said they had something like 300 registered people and just few uh, no-shows. So they, they were happy and it was a nice conference. Yeah, well done. And last, last week in general has been a really, really busy week uh, with Ignite and uh, Branson, the Collab Summit, North America, South Coast Summit, uh, this one, and more conferences to come. So clearly we're heading to a direction where, where people are 
want to be more in person, which is really really cool. So there's a lot of lot of events I coming think, still. I think that wasn't that wasn't never the case that people didn't didn't want to be in person. Truth, they true. weren't allowed to, or yeah. there was a high risk. But I still I th- I still think they you know the craving for folks to meet. Like that has been there always, right? Because if there's one thing that we have in community in M365 is, you know, this passionate group of folks who want to learn, who want to share their experience, who want to meet others. I think that 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 hasn't uh, been away for the last two years. It was just, you know, due to everything else around us, extra hard to get that done. And we tried to, you know, mimic that with virtual events and other things but now that we can get in person i think that that's exactly what we see right well, yeah, I did, I, yeah oh sorry please no, no, okay. no. Oh, i was just saying that i didn't say that but uh, indeed it was really <laughs> amazing to be back in person and just to make an example uh, i was really happy because i was able to meet a couple of uh, community uh, people and we spent few minutes together talking about the uh, community stuff that we do in pmp i was able to share some uh, information about how to work uh, in the pmp framework library with uh, uh, one of our colleagues in the pmp team and stuff like that so that's what we were uh, literally missing uh, uh, while we were missing the in-person experience. So yeah, yeah, and it's it's well, it's interesting to see um, the how, uh, well, it's it's understandable that people want to have that in-person experience, and then it's interesting to say now within upcoming years what will happen with the hybrid uh, conferences, and will that be still a thing? My prediction is that it's actually no, because the conferences have such a different, let's say, role and a meaning if they're hybrid versus if they're in person. So, but we'll see. It's interesting to see. But that is an interesting point, right? Because if there's one thing that we hear from folks say time and again, is that the most um, valuable part that they, that they, uh, or or at least some folks, right? The most the most valuable part that they uh, get from the event is the hallway track, you know, the Yep. ad hoc discussions, discussions that they and, get with yep. people that they meet, you know, about everything from basically getting to know each other as people to things related to work. Yep. And if there is one thing that is really probably the hardest to replicate online, it's the hallway track because there is True. no, you know, it's not a talk you get people to a room and there's one person that speaks and everybody else uh, listen. It's like, how do you create it? And I think we still haven't found uh good way for us to replicate that uh, experience online. True, true, true. You could always have those rooms and isolated things, but it's not the same. It, it just isn't the same thing. Um, to be fair, I think one thing what's actually interesting, let's talk about the community and open source in a second. You mentioned the BMP, and we need to clarify a bit on there. But even in those, it's interesting to say that as we started to have 10-minute discussions before the calls, we start to see more and more people joining the those random discussions. So people kind of uh, book extra track. time before the community calls, on a weekly community calls, to join a few minutes early and have that hallway discussion before we go to the actual agenda. It's, it's, and it's been actually working surprisingly well. Um, should book up even maybe more time to be present, um, maybe 15 is, minutes before. Which is an interesting point, because like, how would you mimic that experience? Like, would it, would it be like, you can join the meeting with few minutes ahead of time, and then basically split people in the rooms, like, hey, do we have two folks talking about this? We have two yep, well, that's people the, talking yeah. about that. And then you basically yep. can join, and as discussion evolves, the subject evolves as well. 
right? So yeah. it might be just interesting yeah. thing, like maybe to replicate but that. That's a really hard thing to replicate. Plus the fact that then whenever the meeting actually starts, you would be like, okay, so everybody pack here. So, um, but it's it's trying Ding to mimic dong. the situation. <laughs> exactly. We are two minutes <laughs> to the session. The community coffee, which is like a school break, you know, between one one course yeah, and yeah. another, something yeah. like that. Yeah. But it's, it's truly happen. Those are, <laughs> the the virtual coffees and everything else they're kind of a nice as well. But there's a there's a challenge if that, that group of people grows to be 50, 60, 70, 80, which are in the coffee club meetings, that does not okay. scale and work. You would have to split it to a smaller room. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's an interesting. If somebody actually have experiences on how to do this in a scale, that would be a really interesting discussion point for sure. Now, Paolo, you mentioned PMP, you mentioned the community, you mentioned that. Can you talk about a bit of what's your background over there for those who would not know necessarily what you do? <laughs> pretty well known about well, that community well, stuff. <laughs> you you never know. So yes, I've been in the PMP community since uh, I would say the very beginning, almost. Just to clarify, PMP yeah. community too big. Nowadays, we call it Microsoft 365 yeah. platform community, and just for those who don't know what it is, so yes, PMP is a good the abbreviation. So. Yeah, I'm used to using the old uh, and the original yep. name, but yes, now we change our <laughs> name. But yeah, because uh, every, we need to change things, right? We Microsoft, well, we're renaming Microsoft, things. You change <laughs> names every single day. <laughs> yes. So no, the PMP community uh, is a community fully focused on sharing knowledge. Uh, it was originally uh, based for on the idea of sharing knowledge uh, uh, from developers for developers. Nowadays, uh, we embrace uh, much more than uh, just developers. We embrace the power platform, so the makers. Uh, we embrace IT pros uh, and all the other folks working in the IT area, generally speaking, which is good because we are growing. Well, I've been involved in the community, uh, as I was saying, uh, since the very beginning, and I started contributing to the uh, PMP site score library at that point in time, that was the name, which was a .NET library to help uh, SharePoint developers to easily build uh, uh, SharePoint on-premises and SharePoint online solutions. Then this library evolved into the PMP framework and PMP Core SDK, and uh, I'm still uh, an active contributor for those uh, two libraries, as well as many other projects in the community area. And specifically, I've been uh, fully focused on the provisioning engine of PMP, which is the one we use nowadays to extract a template from a site or from a tenant talking about, specifically talking about Microsoft Teams channels and Teams, as well as you can then, once you have extracted a template, you can apply that template onto another tenant or, or to another target environment. And this is really useful and convenient whenever you want to build solutions that we want to reuse, you want to resell to customers. So you design your solution on an environment, you extract it, and you reuse it wherever uh, you like. And recently, we have introduced some new features in the uh, provisioning engine now that you uh, make me talk about it, Visa. So, <laughs> so uh, advertisement, advertisement. We release new features. It is a free product, product open this source. This show so, um, contains product placement. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not selling open any source thing. product replacement. Yeah. So, yeah. But what are the new features? Just to, uh, just to recap on, on uh, what you can do with the... 
Okay, let me see if I can recall all, all of them, but we introduced new features in the area of uh, collapsible headers in modern pages in SharePoint Online. We introduced support for uh, shared channels uh, in Teams. We uh, introduced new capabilities for provisioning uh, uh, lists uh, and libraries uh, with audience targeting, uh, as well as what else? Uh, new features for document sets uh, in SharePoint Online. Yep. and many other things but those are the main that i recall right now so we are and, growing and the, on yeah 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 always addressing the the new features and capabilities and i i think that they're explaining that in a way that you were saying that replicating the solution from one tenant to another is, is a good way of explaining that because technically it creates a package which can be then applied the stamp to another tenant, which is really, really cool uh, for sure. Now, uh, related actually on that work, uh, you said that you're starting from the from the early days and from the start. I'm just thinking this because, uh, well, like I noticed that CLI will celebrate the five years um, within upcoming uh, weeks. So congratulations on that. Um, we'll break, I guess, we'll break the 10 year on the overall community and PMP stuff within, within a year or so, but a bit over the year. So, time which is, yeah, time flies. Uh, I guess we need to mark it on the as same time when it went to the actual public. So Office, it was called Office yeah. App Model Samples. No. OMS. O O well, well, AMS. 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 Yeah. AMS. Yeah. Adding models. Adding model samples. I guess it was. I don't. Yeah. But anyway, we need to do some <laughs> research. <AMS, yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but we still have a one-year time to do that research on <laughs> history. So <laughs> it's time flies. Remember. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Yes. But it's actually pretty cool that and and thank you, Paolo, for being part of that community and growing the community and helping others to be basically sharing their knowledge as well because again that's been the the fundamental thinking point of the of the whole community is just helping others to succeed so rather than well it's really helping others to succeed and helping others to understand uh, the ways of doing extensibility in Microsoft 365 so thank you for that thank you for having me <laughs> yes <laughs> well we're not having but yeah, anyway, so yeah, it's, it's all you. So. <laughs> <laughs> Voluntary pasting. Now, um, on on other areas, so let, can we go back a bit on on uh, on the let's say the status of what you're building for the Microsoft 365? So, what kind of things um, you talked about the architectural things? Um, any technologies which you're explicitly using? Are you building Microsoft Teams applications um, and all of that, or what kind of things? Where's the demand? Well, uh, nowadays uh, uh, we have been uh, mainly working uh, on uh, Teams and SharePoint online solutions. So quite often uh, we rely on SharePoint framework as the framework for building such kind of solutions so that we can reuse the same code base across the different uh, uh, workloads. Uh, at the same time, we also every now and then build Teams only solutions for some of the customers, specifically if they want to have uh, extensions uh, uh, like uh, messaging extensions uh, or signature extensions in Teams. And uh, as, as I said at the beginning, uh, most of our customers want to have a better management and organization of their 
content and they want to have a better reachability of their content. So, for example, recently we, uh, we worked on a solution uh, which required to uh, customize the output of the search results providing adaptive cards. And just to uh, mix all of the topics in one answer, uh, it was nice because we were able to build a solution for a customer, but we were also able to share the outcome with the whole community because the customer was willing to have search results uh, as adaptive cards, which is fine, and which was supported by the PMP search web parts. But they also wanted to have actionable cards. So they wanted to be able to click on the cards and do interaction. And so we extended the PMP modern search web parts to support that functionality. And this is something for the community, but it was literally paid by the customer, which is fine. And then we were able to provide the functionality to the customer as well. So this is the beauty of how you can leverage what you do in your daily work, and you can share it with the community and make a win-win for the community and for the customer. Now, on that point, that's an interesting discussion point. Wouldn't the customer feel bad about paying for something which is now free for everybody else? So how do you, how do you deal with that expectation or setting the scene? Well, there are customers who are smart. So they, did, they, don't, they don't feel bad. <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I was completely clear with them. I said, okay, we need something which is not yet available. If you want, we can do that. It will take a bit, but at the very end, you will be happy. You will have what you are looking for. And the whole community will be able to contribute back. So in case there will be any additional need, it might be that someone else will improve what you are already relying on. So why not? Yeah, and, and of course, yeah. and also the, 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 flip, customer right? got, the customer got a lot of value already as a starting point from the community exactly. provider. So exactly. basically, right. so paying back really two, for that. Two ways, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's, of course, the beauty of, of a well-functioning open source community um, and, and make, it, make it actually two ways. So people actually benefit out of that. So, um, how, how do you do that the kind of thing? So what's the secret of BMP on those things? Now I'm... <laughs> <laughs> why? why uh, yes. <laughs> what, Paolo? What is the secret? <laughs> how, does, how does this work? <laughs> well, you mean it's kind how, of awkward for me and Waldek yeah. asked that from you as well. But but what what makes this um, that the, the thing to work? So as an example, the the search web part is a really good example. It's been used. It's by far the most widely Probably. used uh, web part uh, around the world because we know from the unique ID what it's using, and then we're able to detect the usage uh, worldwide. Um, how, what's the secret? How does that be so successful, and some open source projects are not? Um, so, what, what makes what what would be the things? What would be, let's say, top three tips um, for you as a community leader to provide for other people one. to build open source things? Well, I think the, I the very first thing to, to do is to be completely open with the community. So uh, share with them uh, the plans, uh, what you want to do, collect their feedback and be reactive to their feedback. Because if you uh, are at the top of a tower and you just look down to the people in the community saying, I'm the master, I make uh, any choice and I will not listen to you. This is not a community. This is something yeah. else. So you have to be in the community and with the community, and you have to share your mind with the community. Then you have to make them feel engaged with the community. For example, in PMP, we provide the uh, badges for what you do. So if you contribute to the community, we give you uh, a badge to recognize your effort and that you were 
fundamental for the successful result that the community achieved. And that's another interesting point, in my opinion. And then, as I said, most of the professionals out there can benefit of the community. And so they even would feel bad if they uh, would not give back to the community. So you can build your solution easily and quickly based on what the community gives you. Why not giving back? Come on. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a human, human, good way of, uh, that's the good way of being a good human, right? So yeah. giving back for those people who are giving value for you as well. So, and of course, it's by choice and, and people can still consume, even though they wouldn't be able to contribute back. But it's, it's, it's a good way of thinking this. Uh, so taking care of each other, right? And, I think and what was the next one, Valdek? Yeah, so there's one more thing, thing that I would add is value add, right? Like you want to solve problem people have because like you can build, you know, the most interesting, intriguing, intricate thing. But if it doesn't solve a need someone has, like why would they care, right? So uh, I think one of the things that makes uh, tech, the things that we do in community is that they're grounded in, you know, like real life problems people experience or problems or needs uh, people have when they build on N365. Right. And as such, like they're meaningful, they're solved needs. And then they kind of move the ladder up, meaning they allow people to start from that point as opposed to go all the way back and have to reinvent the wheel every single time they build. Yep. And everybody has to write the same code. Like, no, no, no. Like, let's, you know, uh, take care of basics and then let people add value and solve the genuine, unique problems that they have as opposed to. No, the first thing we need to do is to authenticate, to get a token yeah. or to be able to show a div on a page. Like, no, no, we've done that already so many times over the, the years. Here's a library you can use that does that already and you can build on top of it. Yep. Yeah. So it's the level setting of everybody. So making sure that everybody has the baseline features and functionalities and skill set and then we can build on top of that. So, and that's actually the beauty of a long-term uh, sustainable community is that the level setting goes further up in the abstraction layer as well. So, uh, so we basically help the community to build more elaborate solutions uh, because the level setting is going uh, higher on the abstraction layer. So, which yeah, is actually I mean, it pretty all, cool. It, it all, yeah, and it all stands and falls on the influx of new ideas and feedback and improvements because if everybody yep. would take then you will kind of get you know the um what's it called? called i think it's called the tragedy of a commons you know where you have a garden and everybody will take but nobody will take care of the vegetables well then it dies because there's like it, yep. it's just gone whereas here like if if there's influx of new thing and things are being maintained and kept up to date and there are new improvements new features it just grows grows and grows and evolves and becomes even more meaningful thing yep exactly exactly it provides even more value for everybody else which is really really cool so cool uh now from a timing perspective let's be thoughtful in here uh so uh paula uh what's happening this week anything interesting now are you all done with the conference season and you can just relax for the rest of the year because you know there's only it's two months beginning. two and a half months <laughs> this is just <laughs> christmas is here christmas is here happy christmas yes, exactly no, exactly uh, i still have a couple of conferences one will be the european sharepoint conference in copenhagen at the end of november and then yep. uh, i will move straight from there to the us uh, to Vegas uh, for the Microsoft 365 conference, and then I uh, will be finally done. I actually I love conferences, but still, I also love to stay some time at home, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And anything specific on this week? What's on your agenda? 
Uh, I will keep on working on the projects we are running for customers. So nothing special, but everything special, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> every one of them is special. Of course they are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> every one of you. Uh, one oh, of oh, oh, there will be also a demo. I forgot it. There will be oh, one uh, one that's demo true. in the SIG call on Thursday. So I will have a demo about uh, the Ombialf of Flow. Uh, within uh, SharePoint Framework. So how to use the Ombial flow uh, in a backend middleware API in order to consume, for example, Microsoft in the uh, backend of the middleware and having SharePoint Framework consuming this middleware. So an interesting scenario which can be helpful. How, what does that enable? So what is the thing what it actually enables to do? For example, it enables you to have uh, a background process running on behalf of the user, not necessarily uh, in real time uh, through the front end. So if you want to start a process which will take a while rather than running it client side in the browser, when the user can close the browser and kill the process, you can just trigger it in the background and create a token which will allow this backend process to run on behalf of the user, just to make an example. With the user's permission. Yeah, with the user permission, with the user identity, stuff like that. That's why it's called on behalf of. Yeah, it is. That's but and you I still mentioned so the, the curse, about, but not for now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you even mentioned the curse word token, token. You get the token. No, the token. no I said token. No. Oh, said the token. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, like what's on your word. agenda? <laughs> uh, what's on my agenda? So as we are progressing through the Hacktoberfest, we're getting more and more. We're getting a lot of PRs, which is really awesome in CLI for Android 65. So we're continuously doing work to try to review all of them on time so that uh, folks who work on them, you know, get recognized on, on time. So that is a big thing that is currently in progress on my plate. What else? Um, I'm thinking about a few different ways in which we can expose new folks who typically don't build on M365 to get them to, to know about graph and what, what different things they can do with that. And in a way that we don't require them to do a PhD in auth first. So try basically try to find a way that maybe within five to 10 minutes, they can get to a working app that they build themselves without you know, front loading thing like, hey, so we will build this, this app. But before you do, here is the, the, the Bible of auth at Microsoft. Like, no, let, let's not do that. And let's try to find different ways to, to go about it. Somehow the tokens and auth is, is clearly the theme. <laughs> Well, it is really the prerequisite for anything that we do, right? Because like, we build true. apps that are tied to APIs that aren't available yes. anonymously, anonymously, right? And yep, of course, before yeah, of course. you get to them, well, you need to have a token. You you need to have the keyword. So Se security yeah. is a requirement. So yes, 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 of course. Thanks of course. God. I mean, <laughs> true. That is true. <laughs> now, on my side, I'm watching my calendar here. Uh, we have quite a few meetings, Waldek, with you on this week again, but uh, that's Seriously? a separate <laughs> thing. Oh, yes, we actually do. Yes, we, yes. <laughs> Uh, but it's good. That's for partner interviews and discussions and research and all of that stuff, uh, which which is actually super interesting because we, we do a specific, we have a specific initiative with Wildec on collecting uh, feedback across the world from different sides of partners related on how we can improve Microsoft 365, which is always interesting. Those are really good discussions. Um, SharePoint Framework 1.16, uh, I think the next beta is coming out this week. Uh, we should actually get that one out. I'm recording a lot of videos, most uh, well, that's the plan. Let's see. <laughs> 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 Videos related on Viva. Uh, Viva uh, 
information uh, extensibility. So um, making sure that there's enough of information, what's the viva story behind of the scenes. Good, good. Uh, but uh, let's see uh, when we get those all of those out. But um, interesting looking calendar once again. Yes. So uh, what happens for me, uh, like what happened last week, is that whenever there's a wider whatever escalation or whatever thing, then I need to jump in and, and start coordinating. And I guess, well, I know a lot of people, which is fine, but it makes the planning of your week pretty yeah, hard because every single time there's a red bang uh, thing and somebody needs to jump in and then i guess it's the old consulting skills or whatever you, that you're able to coordinate and do communications and all of that stuff so clearly so that's why i'm always getting tracked on these things so which is fine it just makes the planning of your work a bit difficult <laughs> cool anyway so I guess that's it for now. Thank you, uh, Paula. Thank you, Valdek, for joining us. I, no, uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. You thank all thank get you. thanks. Thank you. Everybody thank gets you. thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> but thank you, Paula, for joining us. Uh, we, we, with Paula, we are seeing, uh, anyway, multiple times in a week as well, as we're planning always the community stuff. So this is kind of almost weird to do a recording with well, you. Well, it is, yeah. because we, we don't often get to talk about the different things that we actually do or the trends that True. we see or, True. you know, the past, the history. And, and it's really nice to, you know, to rehash that once in a while. And like, yep. oh, yeah, we used to do this. Like, huh, I didn't know, like... Is the first time I heard that you build things on Amazon, right? So that's yes. like another yeah. interesting thing. Like, ha, huh, I didn't know. So, yeah. like, even though we do, are we still friends now? Are we still friends now? Yes, I know that. Of course, you know that? of course. <laughs> of course. So, so there's also, like, if there's one thing that I love of of that has that has changed since the last, I don't know, seven, eight, eight years. Like, like in the past at Microsoft, we were very much like. Hey, if you want to do stuff with us, you got to yep. be on Windows and you got to yep. use VS. And that was yep. it. Like there was nothing yep. else. Nowadays, we meet developers where they are. You're on, yep. on Diversity. Amazon. Perfect. You're yep. on Linux. Excellent. You want to use Mac? Be my guest, right? Yep. So like it's irrelevant what technology you use. If there's anything that we can help in your stack, excellent. Yep. And I, so as a a bit longer time Microsoft employee. I love that because we're basically saying we come for you. We will help you regardless of your, your technical choices. We're not the Microsoft who will dictate and that this is what you need to do. No, 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 no. We can help you regardless anyway, of your choices. So. Um, so, And I love that mental mindset because it's completely different as it was while back when I started uh, at Microsoft. Uh, it was a mental mindset. Ago. <laughs> 84 years ago. <laughs> I'm actually 98. <laughs> it's, yes, no, there you just go. Kidding. So you be, you began at Microsoft when you were six, yes. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway. On that bombshell. On that bombshell. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. Uh, please uh, remember, uh, we have podcasts. We have video version, version of this one, hashtag BMP Weekly uh, on the articles. So remember to cover them, and we'll find awesome stuff people are writing which comes to the next step. So we'll jump on uh, from the interview, going through the weekly articles, a lot of announcements in Ignite, uh, which will not go through explicit all one by one, but still really cool stuff. The ODR, the book of news. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That is true. But thank you, Paula, for joining, and thank you, everybody, for watching, uh, and we'll jump to the articles. Cheers. Excellent. Thank you, Paolo, one more time. Uh, really, really cool to catch up um, as well. Um, and good to have you on the show. It's It's been quite a few 
weeks since last time you've been in the show. So really, really good. But let's actually jump on the on the weekly articles. And as we talked uh, when we started the recording, uh, there was a lot of lot of announcements on the Ignite. So what would be your number one announcement, uh, Waldek? Anything interesting what's popped on your mind? I think, so I would say two things. So for one, I like the uh, announcement about new APIs for our team. So being able to access, you know, the messages that are read, unread, and all of that, being able to yep. get to the reactions, like basically all these new APIs that allow developers to build cooler apps, like apps that integrate more tightly with Teams and M365. Like that is really, really awesome, right? So that, yep. that is one. And two, for a long time already, people would... Um, ask for app-only support for planner APIs, for yep. migration scenarios, automation scenarios, they're coming. Yep. So there was another announcement about these APIs that they will now have, now have app-only access, meaning, again, developers can build uh, apps if that require that that app-only access, access. So these would be like two top-of-mind announcements for me. Yeah. What about yeah, you? The planner, planner one was really, really good. It's, 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 there's a lot of Let's say finally we're getting this. Uh, well, we didn't get it yet. We're getting it soon. So that was the, basically the, the it's coming in the latter part of this year. Uh, for me, uh, obviously, the, the, like you said, the craft stuff is really really cool. Uh, I think there was a, a related announcements on how you can integrate those more efficiently with Azure Communication Services, and so those those oh, controls yeah, yeah. are basically making it easier you as well. Teams to your app as opposed yes. to show your app in, in, in the in, teams. That's actually yeah. really. In, interesting. In teams, yeah, yeah. It, it, I think it's an interesting um, way of approaching things as well. It enables people to take advantage of the team's platform inside of their applications as well. So it's really, really cool. Um, of course, uh, for us as a uh, SPFX side, because a lot of the historical things for my work is on that side, a uh, big thing announcement was that you can now build uh, Office uh, Outlook and, and Office, sorry, Microsoft 365 app extensibility uh, with uh, with SharePoint framework. So you can basically even further extend the SharePoint framework solutions not to be just available in SharePoint and in Teams, but now also in Outlook and, and Office.com. So which is actually really cool as well. Microsoft 365. Sorry, so so I, I did it again. Maybe I did we need to spend, maybe we, maybe we, yeah, oops, you did it again. Maybe we need to spend a moment, right, to try to explain that a little, right? So at Ignite, we announced that the Office app the experience or so the app on your phone, the Office app, you know, there's like one app to access lightweight version of Word, uh, Excel, PowerPoint, and give you the ability to have like things like Office Lens where you can scan files and so forth and so on. So that app and the Office.com site, these two things are being now renamed Microsoft 365 app. Yep. So that that is an important thing for you to keep in mind where you hear us talking about Microsoft 365 app, that that is that specific experience, yes. not the custom yes. apps developers could build for Microsoft 365. Yep. It's the yep. one specific tailored app that was it was previously known as Office, now it's the Microsoft 365 app. Yeah. And that that announcement makes sense when you explain it. But originally, when I saw the the statement last week, which was Microsoft Three, uh, Office Without is the context, now Microsoft, yeah. uh, Office Three Sixty Five is now Microsoft Three Sixty Five, and you're like, did somebody miss the memo which we did already a few years ago? But, oh yeah, <laughs> or even things like so now uh, your app will show in Outlook and Microsoft Three Sixty Five, and you are wait what my Where? Microsoft Three Sixty Five app will show in Microsoft Three Sixty Five app? Like that <laughs> yes. no, it's yeah, yeah. So so it takes. Like the first time you hear it, you're like, 
say what? And then you're yeah. like, gotcha. It kind of yeah. makes sense, right? Because like we already renamed the Office, some of the Office 365 licenses to Microsoft 365 a few years back. Sure. Uh, and it kind of makes sense to align it across the board and have like more consistent story across the board and say, this is Microsoft 365, including, well, like how users engage with it. Well, they engage with M365 through the Microsoft 365 app, which makes sense. Yep. And in that app, you're the, the things you build can also show in the same place so that yep. users who are already in the M365 app can use your work apps as well. Yes, exactly, exactly. Super clear. Good. Anyway, on the on the <laughs> on the news of Ignite. So first of all, the number one resource to have a look on is the Book of News. Uh, so this is a good thing which we are started doing a while back uh, for all of the conferences because there's so many announcements. Um, so that there's a one collected way of actually having listed all of the different things uh, which which were basically announced last week uh, and. Calling out Azure stuff, calling out uh, all of the different things. Table of content is already huge. Uh, so there's basically a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of features. Uh, let me scroll down. No, it's, it's already done. done. It's like yep. you, you, you have all of it already. Yeah. Yeah. And and for explicitly on Microsoft 365, a lot of, lot of big announcements. Of course, there's a smaller set of things as well. Uh, so which are not necessarily all listed in here, but really, really cool stuff as well. Good. Uh, and then related on the other news, we had the the kind of the, in quotes, the primary blog post from Jared Spataro related on Microsoft 365 in, in Ignite. So what's available, what is the new features and all of that, which is referring then to specific smaller blog posts. And here we are, for example, calling out the Microsoft 365 app. So which hopefully will bring more clarity on what's where, because again, Teams is not technically Office, but then Word and Excel are. So I guess that will clarify a bit on the on the but terminology. Teams is also maybe. part of the the N365 app, right? Yeah, teams but is it's a separate thing. Yeah, so, so yeah, it, it's yeah, we'll see. Um, and a lot of stuff on the uh, announcements, of course, new improvements and features in the Microsoft Teams side. Uh, Microsoft Places uh, was announced as well. Uh, a cool thing, a teaser. I don't know why the video isn't actually loading, but the teaser on, on what's coming in the future. So that's basically a uh, application designed for uh, hybrid work. So enabling people to check in and go there and see the, the floor plans and all of that stuff. So it's actually really, really cool. Where everybody in on the team is when across yeah. the week, right? Yes. So yes, when people absolutely. are at home, when they are in the office and so forth and so that you, you can connect with each other more easily. And a lot of other other announcements there as well. We also talked about that the, the Loop app uh, is in private preview. Uh, so and there's an updated uh, demo on that. So you can find your different loops from one location and create those loops. Already today, you can do this in office.com or in Microsoft 365 app. Um, or as part of your Teams and engagement and Outlook and, and pretty soon in other areas as well. But it's basically then aggregating all of that in one location. Um, a lot of other cool things. We announced also Microsoft Syntax, which is the artificial intelligence machine learning engine to manage documents in scale. Um, so it's based on the SharePoint Syntax, which is now then rebranded as Microsoft Syntax as the content management engine and uh, the computer, whatever, artificial intelligence dealing with all of the content. How do you say that in a, in a fancy way? 
it's not putting me on the spot at all, right? So it's basically Microsoft Index gives you the AI AI powered way to create documents and manage the content in your org. Yeah. Yeah, right? so it gives you the ability yeah. to recognize document, recognize building blocks, basically automate automates working with docs. Yep. And and what was actually cool about this index also, it has the e signature. Uh, so there's a native e-signature now in Microsoft 365 integrated. Um, it's, and you can still keep on using the, the other e-signature providers like Adobe and uh, whoever we have. DocuSign. DocuSign and so on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and a lot of announcements in the video. I know, I know. I know, I know, I know. I know. But this is the basically main. And then we have the specific article for Microsoft Syntax. So, we're not going to deep dive on that one. But that's we just get called on. Yep. There was a lot of blog posts from the Microsoft Teams blog announcements and basically summarizing things. We talked about the mesh avatars. That was actually day before. Day before Ignite, we announced that we'd have a partnership with Meta related on the, the avatars, and there's additional improvements in here as well. Um, we also had, was it nine or eight? Eight blog posts related on Microsoft Viva, the announcements in here, so a lot of, lot of new features and capabilities in Viva side as well. And then on the developer blog, we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight or, or so blog posts as well, so a lot of, lot of stuff across the different things. We're not going to deep dive all through them. Uh, you can have a look on the, the main scenarios. The main blog post here is the Ignite 2022 Transforming Collaboration with Logo and Procode DevTools, which is from Ben Summers, and it really walks through all of the different things which are uh, which are happening in the developer platform, which is really very cool. Now, we also announced as part of the Ignite uh, the Community Days, which is basically um, on top of the thinking of the SharePoint Saturday, uh, which is of course would be a too narrow from a naming perspective because it's not just about SharePoint; it's about Microsoft 365 all all up. And Community Days is basically the the welcome uh, the front page site where you can go and find all of the different upcoming events hosted by the community. And, and we, as a Microsoft, we sponsor and help this site to exist and then aggregate the information. If you are an event organizer, please uh, subscribe or add your event in here so that other people can actually find it as well. But a lot of, lot of stuff happening within the upcoming months. Really, really cool stuff. Now, then we had uh, AC uh, coming back on the blog post. A bit less happening this week uh, because of the Ignite communication uh, explosion. Uh, but AC had a really cool, interesting blog post here. Exactly, right? So in his article, he talks about scenarios that when you build an SPFX and you build web parts, you come across this relatively often. Like you want to have the ability to have dynamic up-downs and when you change the value in one, that that trickles to, to another, right? So that ability to dynamically pre-fill them, like that comes a lot. So in his article, he goes through what would you need to get that done, as well as including a sample code that just runs and you can grab that and see it in action. So yep. really cool article for, for something that developers need a lot. Yeah. And, and AZ has started doing this as well. There's a, a separate video related on this article, which is really, really cool. So uh, helps on then finding or capturing the key uh, information also in a video format. Just going to click here. There we go. And there's AZ. Cool. Then we had an article uh, from Martin Linkster, uh, 
who was actually in the show pretty recently. And this is really around um, talking about the permission management with SharePoint APIs or calls when you're calling things. How do you how do you run applications with the limited SharePoint permissions so you don't always do the full control all? This is an interesting kind of a uh, well great article, uh, great consideration point as well. Um, because you should not have too many permissions. Now, there are certain APIs which, however, require super high permissions, unfortunately. It's like, like something super simple, which really is so frustrating for me, at least, uh, is the, the site.title and site.description, as an example, uh, the, the web.description. To be able to modify that, you will need to have sites full control, because there's no smaller... Uh, actual uh, permissions, unless you're doing the selected sites. Um, and then that's uh, one way of actually scoping things down. But really great blog post and explaining how things are actually working and how you can control things uh, using then the BMP PowerShell or CLI. So awesome stuff. Then we had an announcement from the BMP JS team. Uh, they had a 3.8 version out. Uh, and that's obviously referring all of the different details in the change block um, for in the GitHub. Um, BMPJS is by far, I would say, is it by far the most widely used SDK in SharePoint framework solutions to get access on information because it is really widely used. It's just the usage is out of this world. So thank you, Julie, on that one. On uh, Paolo, who was the visitor today, uh, he had a uh, episode 226, extending user and devices with Microsoft Graph and extension attributes. What's extension attributes for? So imagine that you want to store additional information about a user or a device. Well, sure, I mean, you could spin up your own storage and all that, but then you need to maintain that, back, back up it, have a restore strategy and all that. Or you can take the easy route and store it on Graph, right? So there are 15 extension attributes that you can use to store additional info about devices and users. And that's really cool because that gives you a no cost place to store additional info about objects in the graph. So it's really, really cool and an easy way to get more info uh, in your org. Absolutely, really, really cool stuff. And 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 I like to say, it, they exist already. There's no cost related on them. You can just start using the information to store that. For example, in a user level, if you have something, let's say HR data, which you want to store to be easily available for all of the apps, you can just replicate that there um, using a sync service or whatever. And then you can associate how when you sync stuff. For anyway, HR so. data that might be sensitive because there's no depends per, on the data. Yeah, absolutely. Specific permission, absolutely. so you might you absolutely. might or might not be able to use it depending yep. on what you want to store. So absolutely, absolutely. But cool stuff. Thank you, Paolo, on that one. Uh, then uh, April Dunham had a um, one minute and fifty one uh, second, one minute fifty one seconds long, uh, an update on what is the favorite announcements related on Power Platform. So really, really cool stuff. Thank you, April, on that one. It's cool to say the TikTok here. So it's, it's we're getting the stuff to TikTok. Yay. <laughs> we're everywhere. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and then and, uh, the Message Center show had the episode 257, uh, which basically talks about uh, all of the different announcements uh, and changes uh, within the last week related on uh, what has been shared by Microsoft related on upcoming features. So Message Center is basically a tenant admin inbox for Microsoft to tell what's coming and what's happening. And then the guys are always going through what, what are the new things and what does it actually mean in practice. So really great show as well. Cool. That's it. That's it. So long and thanks for all the fish.
Cheers. No. Um, thank you, Paolo, one more time uh, joining us on today. Uh, and I, I guess we went through the weekly plans, we went things, we went through things. I guess that's it then. Um, we'll be back with another BMP Weekly uh, within a week. Please remember hashtag BMP Weekly. Uh, we are available in the video and in the podcast format. Cheers. Bye-bye, Waldeck. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Thank you.